Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Brendan Bradford, he's part of the Code Sports team, which you can find at codesports.com.au, and he joins us on the overnight crowd on day one of the Australian Open. G'day, Brendan. Hey, mate, how you going? Yeah, yep, good. Day one. Yeah. <laughs> one of the best sporting days of the year, right up there was uh, day one of the Boxing Day test and, and grand final day. Absolutely love it. Love to hear it, mate. Thanks so much for the time once again. Uh, yeah, following that uh, fairly unprecedented sitting of the High Court on a Sunday, the departure of a player on a jet plane, we're finally able to get to the uh, on-court action at the Australian Open. Finally, some tennis um, to actually, you know, that people are actually talking about. Uh, we have had tennis for the last couple of weeks in Sydney, Melbourne, and Adelaide, but um, yeah, I mean, you, the the headlines and everyone is just talking about Novak Djokovic. But finally, we can we can move on. We've got it resolved, and there's some action on TV. Ash Barty, as dominant as you can get to uh, kick off proceedings as well. Six one six love versus uh, Lisa Serenko uh, grabs a bag and keys in 54 minutes to start the party. Yeah, 54 minutes. It was just uh, yeah, people were on social media just saying, look, this is just rude from Ash Barty. Um, there's no need to go this hard this early. Pace yourself. Um, yeah, and look, uh, I think she 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 may have actually benefited from some of the, the Djokovic drama over the past two weeks because she's been able to go under the radar a little bit. Um, you know, an Australian world number one, one of the hot favourites to win her home open. She's never won it before. Wimbledon last year. Um, ordinarily, there would be just an insane amount of spotlight, pressure, media attention um, on her. Um, and, there, you know, there is. But uh, I think some of that's just, just been a little bit deflected. She's just she's been able to go under the radar for the last couple of weeks purely because of uh, Novak Djokovic's uh, ongoing saga. It's uh, fair to say. And uh, on the other side of it all, can we uh, call it heartbreak? Uh, Tennis Kokonakis, he's had a fantastic start to 2022. He wins his first ATP Singles Tour title in his hometown, but he's gone in the first round versus a German qualifier by the name of Yannick Hanfman in straight sets as well. Yeah, and look, honestly, I, I can say, I and I don't think uh, uh, you know, I'm putting myself in too much um, trouble here. I've never seen Yannick Hanfman play, but I, I want to say that that's some of the best tennis that he's ever played in his life. He was on fire. His serve was um, untouchable. Um, and yeah, Tanasi Kokonakis, I mean, incredible week last week in Adelaide um, to win his maiden ATP Tour title. After everything he's been through over the past couple of years, the injuries, the setbacks, illnesses, um, fantastic to see him win on Saturday. And I think, yeah, probably I, I lost track of how many matches he's played in the last seven days. It's a lot. Um, and, and at some point, it's just got to catch up with you. And he's just tweeted in the last couple of minutes that he just couldn't get anything going. Um, and, you know, can't blame him after the, the highs of, of the last couple of days for him. But um, he'll be back. He'll He's, um, you know, he showed definitely showed in Adelaide what he can do and 
he's hoping to break into the top 100. And um, yeah, and that you know that'll just come with more time on court, more you know miles under your belt, I suppose. And um, it's a setback, but uh, you know he'll, he'll be back for sure. Lucky for Yannick, uh, he meets a young fella from Spain by the name of Rafael Nadal, who also had a straight sets win over American Marcos Giron. Bit of a poison chalice uh, of that round one win. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's going to be making a very, very good payday um, <laughs> <laughs> for for that. I mean, you know, Rafael looked, looked fairly comfortable uh, in his first round one over Giron. Um, but yeah, look, huge opportunity for him. Um, you know, you play against... Nadal, I don't know whether they've done the um, schedule yet, but I'm guessing that'll be on Rod Laver. Um, he's probably you know, one of the best tennis courts in the world. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, you know, you just if you can keep coming out and serving like he did. Look, you, you never know. You don't, you don't want to um, count him out too early. But, um, yeah, ho- hopefully he just yeah goes out, soaks it all up, just whacks down some serves like he did against Tanasi today. The first round of the Australian Open, uh, five setters and James Duckworth all go hand in hand. And today he was two sets to one up over France's uh, Adrian Manorino before Manorino peeled off the final two sets, 6-2, 6-1, to get over the line in just over three hours, unfortunately, for James. Yeah, and, and look, Duckworth is another one. He, he had a really positive end to 2021. Um, and, you know, a little bit like Kokonakis, he's, he's no stranger to the... Uh, the surgery room over the last couple of years. And um, I, I think there were signs of that. I think he's had hip issues um, certainly over the last couple of years. So um, and early early in the season, you, you kind of never know how your, your body's going to hold up, um, especially going five sets, going for uh, it was just a little over three hours, I think it was. Um, so, yeah, hopefully... He can build on that good form and the momentum that he started to build up at the end of last year. And, you know, we're just hoping that this is just some early season sort of rust. And, um, you know, it's a shock to the system. Like you can you can train as, as hard as you think you can, but, you know, it's completely different actually getting out there and playing five sets of tennis. So, um, yeah, hopefully you will see more of James Duckworth as well. Uh, Alex Vukic, uh, remember the name, uh, recovering from a set down to overtake South Africa's Lloyd Harris, 4-6-6-3-7-5-7-6. What a win for a wild card. Yeah, amazing. Um, it was, I think it, yeah, it was one of the first matches of the day. You know, he got they were underway at about quarter past 11 or something this morning. Um, definitely the biggest win of um, Alexander Vukic's career. And, and what, a, what, a, what a great comeback. Um, dropped the first set and you're thinking, all right, okay, you know, there's plenty more Aussies going to be in action today that we can watch. But, um, yeah, he, he just kept fighting. He just, uh, yeah, just kept coming back. And, uh, you know, four-set tie-break, he, he, um, he got it done. And, uh, yeah, incredible performance from a wild card. Um, Lloyd Harris, the 30th seed um, from South Africa going into, into the Australian Open. And, um, yeah, what a way to start things um, on day one of the Australian Open. And uh, later in the evening as well, John Millman getting past uh, Feliciano Lopez, uh, the Aussie, getting a, f- a hard-fought four-set win over the Spaniard. Yeah, John Millman, one of the one of the great guys um, of tennis, not just Australian tennis either. He's he's one of the you know one of the really good blokes um, going around, and um, yeah, it started off really well, six-one, six-three in the first two sets, and then Lopez uh, broke him in the, in the in the third, and you know you look like. It was all on here going into the fourth, but um, yeah, Feliciano Lopez is 
you know, he's no spring chicken either. And um, he was, you know, he was visibly, uh, he was visibly getting a bit worn out um, in the last, the latter stages of that that four set. But um, yeah, really good start for John Millman. He always gets a, a good crowd. Although obviously they're um, a bit limited this year again. But um, yeah, we have huge support. Um, hopefully, he can make a deep run to this tournament as well. Naomi Osaka back in Grand Slam action and looking the part of a Grand Slam winner as well with a six three six three dispatching of Colombia's Camilla Osaro in uh, just over an hour. Yeah, um, great to see Naomi Osaka. She hasn't. She obviously took some time off last year, and um, you know it's good to just see her back on court, looking, um, you know, free free hitting, looking like the Naomi Osaka that we we know and we've seen, and you know she's won down here before. Um, so it's just great to see her back on court. And um, there was a, a funny moment at her presser after the match. Someone, obviously, everyone's getting asked about Novak Djokovic, um, and she, she said something like, "You know, look, what can anyone gain by me chiming in right now? Thanks, though. Um, thanks for the offer of getting dragged into this, but I'm going to pass on that one." Um, so, very smart. Um, yeah, yeah. Very uh, well, well, well handled, Naomi Osaka on that one. Yeah, she's uh, there's something for us all to learn from uh, how she handles things like that. Uh, elsewhere, Sophia Cannon was a first-round loser, bundled out by Madison Keys, who had her big serve working for her. And uh, Keys, to be fair, has some pedigree behind her. U.S. Open runner-up, uh, won at Adelaide International 2 last week. A tough uh, matchup first for a former champion in Cannon. Yeah, and, you know, Cannon, obviously, former champion um, here in Melbourne. And... You know, the eleventh seed going in, and you see you know, no number next to Madison Keys's name, and you might think it's a bit of an upset, but no, yeah, Madison Keys has, you know, she's been around and about for about five or six years, um, US Open finalist, um, probably what was that four years ago now, maybe five years ago now, um, yeah, she's she's a danger, she's she's dangerous um, in this this uh, portion of the draw. Um, and you know it's not a, not a shock at all. Um, it, it was a tight match the whole way through, but um, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised to see Madison Keys, um, you know, later into the second week of this tournament. Storm Sanders uh, with a very uh, tough match tomorrow versus the second seed in Sabalenka. Uh, Darius Saville uh, taking on Sweden's Rebecca Peterson. Tough task for both Aussie women here. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a tough one for Storm Sanders, um, but she's she's shown some form as well, and she's. You know, putting together a, a you know pretty uh, you know good good career at, at this point you know at this point in her career and Sabalenka had we saw her last week and her serve just I don't know what happened uh, just turned to absolute custard she was underarm serving um, I think it was down yeah down in Adelaide last week and it just yeah it was just an absolute mess so um, if Storm Sanders can can uh, you know, encounter that version of Arena Sabalenka, one of the one of the hardest hitting um, players on the WTA tour, and one of the most dangerous. And every every January, everyone's like, "Look, this year is the year for Sabalenka," and it just never happens. So uh, you never, yeah, you don't write out, um, <laughs> don't write off Storm Sanders just yet for sure. Uh, further into Tuesday's draw for the Aussies, uh, Lexi Poprin versus uh, Arthur Reinekenich, uh, the tall man from France who's already tasted a defeat at the hands of an Aussie so far this summer, so he's out for revenge. Uh, how do you see Alexi going in this one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we wanted to get that one back. Uh, <laughs> Reinekenich was the, the uh, he lost to Kokonakis the other day. 
Um, but yeah, Popperin, um, he's another one that's just been bubbling away. He's still only 22. It seems like he's been around for, for much longer than that. He's had some really good performances um, at the Australian Open. Um, and, and this is, you know, this will be a, this will be a good, good matchup. Ryan Dekash, he's obviously on form. He's obviously, uh, you know, feeling good um, after, you know, a good run in Adelaide last week. Um, so it'll be a good test for Popperin. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he's at um, after this match on Tuesday. Alejandro Davidic Fokina versus Alex Bolt, uh, another uh, triple-barreled uh, Spaniard name as well. It feels like the tournament is full of tough Spaniards, and Bolt, he finds another one here. <laughs> yeah, what's it with Spanish? The Spanish in their, their three <laughs> names, Pablo Carreño Busta. Uh, there's, there's a lot of them going around. Yeah, Alex Bolt, um, he, he, he's another one that's just sort of like a, a really awesome Aussie cult figure. Um, he's 29. He's, he's been around. Um, but uh, this is a, a huge opportunity. It's out on court six. So hopefully, uh, you know, the crowd or, you know, how big, how big the crowd is going to be um, gets out there and, and supports him. They, they always, they always get around him um, when, when he plays Alex Bolton. You know, he just always, he's just always either puts on a, a performance and winning or he goes down fighting. Um, he's, he's just one of the guys that you, you never want to miss when he's playing. We'll move on to uh, a little bit of cricket. The Ashes are all wrapped up. The fifth test in Hobart over in three days. Australia with a 146-run win. Uh, another England capitulation in the second innings for 124. Uh, these blokes want to go home, and I'm sort of under- uh, starting to understand why. Yeah, 100%. Um, there was a stat going around today that because of the they were docked some competition points for, I think it was slow over rates, <laughs> uh, maybe in Melbourne or Sydney, uh, so they England would have actually been better uh, to to stay at home and and not even come out and be penalised and come out and and lose or you draw one match and then lose the rest and and be docked those points uh, and that was the that was the way the whole tour went. I mean, it started with the first ball from Mitchell Stark against Rory Burns in, in Brisbane, and it really didn't get much better. Um, there was glimpses of it on day five in Sydney, but. You know, if there was another half an hour or even just one less rain delay, I think we everyone sort of probably realises that would have gone Australia's way. Um, and even on on day three, uh, when England get put into bat, they have a they finally have a decent um, opening partnership, sixty something, and you're thinking, oh, here we go, all three options are are on the cards here. And then no, again, <laughs> first match, tenth innings in a row, nothing. Um, it's just been look. There's been there's been highlights from an Australian perspective. Scott Boland, um, obviously Usman Khawaja coming back, couple of couple of good debuts. Um, the emergence of Travis Head as a you know as a as a real mainstay of the side. They've all been highlights. But you know you, you you're tuning in to watch Test cricket and you want to see a contest and you want to you want the series to go beyond three matches. Um, and, 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 you know from that perspective, it was just a bit of a letdown, to be honest. Four four zero and one wicket shy of five zero. Uh, does it take any gloss off the dominance? Uh, England without a sniff across the five tests, bar you know a session or two, as you were saying there. Yeah, look, I don't think so. Like, it's just it's and, and it's probably that we look at that Sydney test and Pat Cummins will learn from that. Um, they probably batted a little longer than they needed to um, in Australia's second innings, but. You look at I can't I, I I forget how many overs were washed out due to the rain, but 
um, you know, all things being equal, or even if there was just, he could play for just another couple of overs, um, you know, that, that one wicket probably would have fallen. Um, four, four nil, you know, from, yeah, four nil is certainly not the same ring as, as five nil. Um, they didn't have the, the inflatable hand up this time, but, um, yeah, look, I, I don't think, um, you know, when it's all, when it's all said and done, I don't think there, there'll be, um, you know, they'll be losing too much sleep over it. No, I don't think so either. The uh, Aussies getting to experience the best of both worlds a little bit. They found the extent of their depth uh, bar spin bowling. Uh, they've got the Pakistan tour on the horizon where despite what we think we know about the Pakistan uh, pitches, the stats actually show that there's more wickets for pace bowling than spin of late. But uh, it's going to be a great tour for the Aussies uh, returning to Pakistan for the first time in 24 years. Yeah, really stoked that that, that tour is going ahead. And, um yeah, you, know, you hope that all all the big players put their hands up and and want to go because you know there's, there'll be some interesting selection decisions that have to be made here. It's all just with purely just with the the emergence of some of the the players we've seen over the past couple of months. But um, you know, the, yeah, the the number one thing is that it's it's great that the tour's going ahead. Um, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully Osman Kawaja goes over there and um, you know he's he's been wanting to play in Pakistan for a while, so uh, that'll be a, a really cool fairy tale to that one as well. Uh, South Africa had a series win over India, 2-1. They chased down two 200-plus totals in the second and third test. Uh, but before the end of the third test, Dean Elgar's LBW, he reviews, it's bouncing over. India lose their damn minds. Ashwin, Rahul and Kohli all going hard at the broadcasters. Uh, what were your thoughts around India's DRS blow-up? Completely bizarre. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, and I'm a, I guess they call, call me a Virat Kohli apologist. I'm a massive fan. Right, but... yep. Like I can't even defend that one. Like he went way over the line, um, and, and that's just you got to say that that's just pressure and um, results building up, and um, you know even even personal um, personal performance coming into play for some of those guys as well. But uh, really, really bizarre, over the top. I think everyone will sort of look back on that um, if they aren't already looking back at that and just going, "Oh look, yeah, boys, we crossed the line there." Um, and then, yeah. Not long after, Virat Kohli announcing that he's yeah. stepping away from the, the test captaincy. Um, whether that's all involved, I mean, you know, you got to assume that all that is intertwined. But um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, it's a it's a sort of a blip on the end of his test captaincy career. But um, at the end of the day, he, he led India. He's led India so well over the last seven or eight years. Um, been so good for not you know for India but for for world cricket as well. Um, and it'll be a shame to see. It'll be interesting to see what um, what they do do next. Obviously, a few options there, but um, whatever happens, um, cricket is better for having uh, Virat Kohli in it if he is still playing. Ah, yeah, I agree with you uh, most certainly on that. But yeah, I couldn't believe that there uh, weren't any sanctions uh, for the Indian behaviour. We've seen uh, some for much less, uh, but they got a word from the match referee and that was it. But uh, yeah, Virat stepping down as skipper following the series defeat. He leaves behind quite a legacy after taking over from MS Dhoni, who himself was an iconic skipper that left a legacy. But fire, a real competitive edge and desire under his leadership. It almost was like, you know, not that they... Um, had a lack of, uh, you know, passion for playing for the country, but it was like Virat had that at the forefront of his captaincy a bit. Yeah, yeah, and he was, he he, he sort of followed in the footsteps of what MS Dhoni sort of started. Dhoni was, um, he led India so well, so he, he was he was just a, a pillar, like a, a figurehead, just someone that you would follow into battle. Um, he, he wasn't 
necessarily too fiery or over the top or too emotionally charged, but he was just always there. You, you watch India um, when they won the the World Cup and uh, Dhoni's at the crease and the, to, they're getting a little bit behind the run rate, but it's MS Dhoni and you know he's going to be able to pull it through. Um, and then Virat Kohli comes in and, and even advances that further from <laughs> from from you know the stoicism of MS Dhoni to just the fire and aggression um, of what Virat Kohli brought. And we, you know we hadn't really seen that from uh, any Indian player, or any Indian captain or side. Um, and uh, yeah, they they emerged. They you know they uh, and, and I think it's uh, when, whenever India come out to Australia and Virat Kohli's Public enemy number one, but that's what you want. That that means you know that's a that's a signifier of how well he's respected and feared by the Australian cricketing and sporting public. That you know they make him public enemy number one because they know what he can do, um, and he's you know he's unapologetic in the way he goes about it as well. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, hopefully he uh, does continue to uh, hold a place in that Indian batting lineup. But uh, with everything going on around him uh, in the previous, I think it's five months since he's stepped down as captain of uh, RCB and then the T20 side and then the one day side and now the test side. So that's a big five months for Virat. Uh, he's probably looking forward to just being able to go out there and uh, get some bat on ball instead of worrying about all of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. And you know, everyone says, you know, you take over the captaincy or your experiences a couple of times and, you know, obviously there's there's on-field things and decisions and, and whatnot, but, you know, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes from sponsorship commitments, media commitments and all sorts of other things that often, you know, take up as much, uh, if not time, just, just mental energy and, and um, focus as well. Um, Pat Cummins has sort of spoken about that a little bit as well um, over the past couple of weeks and, um, yeah, hopefully we can just see Virat Kohli getting back to doing really what he does best, and that's just uh, batting. And finally, uh, UFC 270 is coming up this weekend, and the main event is the heavyweight bout with the UFC heavyweight champion, Fran- uh, Francis Ngannou. He's lined up against the unbeaten Cyril Garnet. Uh, plenty of contractual uncertainty around Francis's future with the promotion, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's been one of the big talking points in the lead-up to this fight, to this card, is that Francis Ngannou has basically seen a whole lot of UFC fighters, former UFC fighters, boxing and making, uh, you know, without exaggeration, making probably 10 times as much as they were um, in the UFC. Uh, and he's he's looking, sitting there going, look, I'm the heavyweight champion um, of, of the UFC. And that's, that's fair grounds to say I'm the baddest man on the planet at this point. And I want to be making... Uh, what I'm what I'm worth, what I, what I can, what I you know rightfully think I can earn. Um, you know uh, his his paycheck will be somewhere around the half million dollar mark. Um, and you know if if he was on a similar trajectory in boxing, he'd be making uh, upwards five five to ten million. Um, and you know it's you don't have to be a, <laughs> you don't have to be a mathematician to know that uh, you know where you, where you'd want to be or how much you want to be fighting for. So um, I'd. Look, I don't know how he would go in boxing if he makes that that choice. There's, um, you know, from the outside looking in, you can see, you know, it's fight sports and there's boxing in the MMA, but it is it's completely different. Um, so whether he makes that that move um, remains to be seen. But he he will have to do he will need to do some serious uh, straight boxing training and some improvements in his boxing if he wants to make that that switch. So is there any juice to the Tyson Fury calling out in Garnu headlines or were they just that, headlines? 
headlines. Yeah. <laughs> Just headlines <laughs> at this stage. Uh, Tyson Fury has uh, a lot of bigger and, and better, more interesting and uh, <laughs> much better remun- remunerated remunerated fights uh, in his future uh, than um, Francis and Garner. If it does happen, yeah, that they they can uh, they can step in the ring and, and make a fair bit of money, but. There's um there's a few things I think Tyson Fury needs to uh what probably wants to take care of before that one. And uh finally Jack uh Della Maddalena was uh, on the prelim card as well for UFC two seventy. There was a couple of problems with his previous opponent, wasn't there? Is uh that being all straightened out? That's all straightened out. So he's got a new opponent, a guy called Pete Rodriguez, who's also making his uh UFC debut, um okay. as as Jack is. Um so yeah, forgive me. I don't know anything about Peter Rodriguez. No, that <laughs> he, anyone that takes a fight um, in the UFC on this short notice, it was about uh, I think it was about eight days or something like that. Is uh, you got to respect him. There's yeah. uh, massive props to him. Um, but yeah, Jack Man- Jack Della Maddalena sort of burst onto the scene, I suppose, in an international sense on Dana White's uh, Contender Series in September last year. Just put on a Awesome performance and a win there. Um, you know, they don't hand out performance or fight of the night uh, checks uh, at that. They hand out contracts, but um, if they did, uh, he probably would have won it because it, it was a fantastic performance. Um, and yeah, just uh, it's great to, to have you know another Aussie um, heading over to the UFC and, and uh, making his debut, making his mark. Um, and he's already he's already talking about you know possibly fighting. Uh, Kamaru Usman in the future. He's already looking at the top of the welterweight division, so um, he's got uh, big expectations and big hopes. Love an Aussie with a bit of ambition, and Brendan, really appreciate the time, mate. We'll uh, keep up with your work at Code Sports. Enjoy the tennis. Absolutely. Yeah, looking forward to the rest of the tennis. Cheers for having me on. Brendan Bradford, part of the Code Sports team. You can find them at codesports.com.au. And he joined us to recap the first day of the Australian Open and also a look ahead to some UFC 270 action, which is coming for you this Sunday. And the next UFC 271 has a particular Australian flair to it as well. I don't know if you've caught up with just who's on that card, but a couple of big names, including Bam Bam Tuivasa, of course, and also the King, Casey O'Neill returning to the Octagon. So cannot wait to uh, catch up with all of that, as well as, of course, the return of Israel Adesanya taking on the Aussie Rob Whitaker from Houston, Texas on February 12th. So that should be an absolute burner of a card coming up in the UFC. But let us know your thoughts around the day's tennis action from the Australian Open, 0433 98 11 16 or 1300 736 736. We'd love to hear from you on the Overnight Crowd on SEN. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.